Boy, that sure was the wrong Missy. Uh, what? That the Missy. Wrong, that Missy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Woo. Boy, we wow. should have picked the right one. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? I don't know, man. What's the wrong Missy? Uh, I I don't know much about it. It's, I think I know it's being forced down my throat. I think David. There's some Talking sort of to the microphone. There's some You're sort professional. of There's some sort of interaction with a Missy, and it's the wrong Missy. I know exactly what it is. I whenever I say I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm lying. I know what I'm talking about. All there, right. my secret's out. Are you happy? It's no. It's it's a it's a Netflix film. Yes. And with David Spade, who figured along with Rob Schneider, if Adam Sandler can do this, we can do this. Yeah. And so now they're making bare bones premised films on Netflix as well that probably involve how many how many nut shots how many nut shots on Missy alone I don't and so David Spade yes 55 year old David Spade who to be honest not as old as I thought I would have gone older yeah fair I guess he was pretty young he looks a million he doesn't look super great dude just just feather some gray in. Yeah. You get, get it colored. Yeah, right. But not all the way. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He looks like he's got progeria. You know, he looks like a like a 12-year-old with progeria. Wow. wow. That's the aging disease yeah. that Sebastian had. And uh, I wish it was never-ending story, but unfortunately, it's Blade Runner. Um, and, wow. And so, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the premise yeah. is, David Spade, there's a girl, the girl of his dreams. She just got out of high school. Do you know anything about David Spade's dating habits? Ugh, Parody, gross. I guess. Parody, mm. comedy, joke. Uh, and so he knows two missies, mm-hmm. and he's going to invite her on a cruise. Also, it's a cruise movie, which is like the same thing as like a road movie or like a one of those movies where the bus has to keep going or it blows up. Yeah, right. It's, you know, where the premise two. takes over. Or Speed yeah. 2, not Cruise 2. <laughs> like Eddie and the Cruisers 2? No, no, like Speed 2. <laughs> wow. We, yeah, anyway. Right, anyways. We're done talking about... Uh, Michael Perret? How'd I, I do? I, I have Who's no the idea. guy in Streets of Fire? Off topic. God, uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, or his face. Um, <laughs> that's why you never cast somebody just for their looks. Right? Because you're just going to forget their sort of blandly good looks. Yeah. You're going to remember the acting. Yeah, and it was terrible. William so... Defoe's entire career. Aww. And then you saying to me about the story... Finish it. <laughs> so, and he calls, he's going to call Missy. He's going to leave her a message and say, meet me. We're going to go on the cruise, right? But he called and this is like, the wrong Missy. Right. And this is years I, later, I'm assuming. No, this is, no, there's no years. He's just, he's playing like a 35 year old. So instead of the Missy that he wants, which I'm assuming is, I don't know, like Brooklyn Decker or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Lauren Lapkus. So Lauren Lapkus has gone from. <laughs> just it. This is just pop culture vomit at this point, right? Dude, uh, just change the name of the show. <laughs> Lauren Lapkus has gone from like a promising comedian and uh, being praised for her work on um, the D- D- Pete Holmes show. Okay, I'm dying up here or okay. whatever. Okay, to playing like conspicuously. Hey, I'm an ugly girl who's weird. Yeah, that's not cool. On Netflix. Yeah, I know, right? This isn't even the hottie and the naughty. That was a feature film. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be happy about that if I was her. So this is all you can do when we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Um, you know, yeah. If we didn't talk about garbage movies and TV, mm-hmm. we would just 
you know, inhale a tear gas canister and just call it quits. Yeah, pretty much. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they are doing a thing. Maybe the, the movie is, I don't know how they would do this, but it's set both in the past and in the future. So in the scenes where he looks like J.F. Sebastian from Blade Runner, they're, they're trying to have, play him young. And maybe they're uh, being a little self-conscious yeah. about it. They're like, oh, he's young. Like when they put a wig on uh, Jessica Walters, <laughs> when she's playing like young Lucille. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> who's, you know, a, she's a great performer. She's a beautiful woman. Yes. But, I mean, she's, you know, in her mid-70s. Right, like, right, 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 right. We so, didn't really think that. That that she was younger. Was, yeah, right. Because exactly. they gave her the, yeah, the 70s wig. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Just Enough Trope Podcast. I'm your host, Caliban. Joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mikan Hana. And um, exciting. Exciting? We live in exciting times. Exciting or scary? Exciting is scary. It's well, same, I, I guess. Same uh, neural pathways. Yeah. Same neural, neurotransmitters are used. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know I, if that's true. I, why, why are you asking me? I don't and know. unlike before, I really don't know if that's true. I'm not just saying I don't know. Actually, I do kind of know. Okay. Let's just call it. Let's call it quits. Let's uh, call okay. it, we'll call it even. Oh, okay. Um, right. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess if you don't know what irony is, then yeah, it is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's hard to think about anything else. It's really um, hard to think about anything And else. as we were forcing ourselves to watch uh, 35-year-old sitcoms over the weekend. Yes. <laughs> which were totally enjoyable, but did feel somewhat superfluous in light of, uh, you know, what's been going on um, practically outside of our door. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, we're safe, by the way, just in case you were wondering. All of you? Yeah. Sybil? Uh. <laughs> oh, yes. No, we are. You and I are yes, safe. Yes, yes, yes. To our um, ones and, and twos of fans out there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're okay. Um, but, you know, uh, we live in Minneapolis. And as yes. um, everybody probably knows by now, uh, although it is fun to see, we've all been addicted to scrolling through our social media, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But it is fun to see people who, I'm not saying they don't care, but they're like, mm, these cookies, so good. <laughs> My kid was the best kid in the second grade pageant. Right, and he right. was like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm actually kind of envious of you. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just can't hear myself think over the um, over the Blackhawks. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, it, you, I mean, you can get this story anywhere, but just suffice it to say, you know, yeah, I mean, we're okay, although we've, you know, been kind of in the middle of a lot of it. And um, it's hard to see. And we've been fortunate because the place where we live, I described it as, on another podcast, as a duck. Okay. So one of the streets, we live right off the street. In fact, it's not even a full block. We live 50 feet off of um, a street that is a main thoroughfare yeah. from the... Um, from the th- fifth pre- uh, precinct where yes. all the uh, riot troops were last night mm-hmm. um, to downtown. Yeah. And, you know, stuff happened downtown, but it's been mostly focused in this South Minneapolis area. Yes. And so theoretically, you could just, people could just be marching up and down that road. Mm-hmm. They could also be chased by Humvees or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's not. And this is, this is actually like, we've lived in this area for a while. One of the reasons we like it is this thoroughfare just isn't that big of a deal anymore. They've a hundred years ago, it was the only road in town. Sure. Now they've built all these other roads. Mm-hmm. So the road is still there and you have access, but it doesn't get caught up in a lot of stuff. It's sort of 
it's in this it's like the it's like the secret garden with the trampoline <laughs> it's in the middle of everything but yet people don't really use it or, or know about it or bother right. to use it mm-hmm. and so we've been fortunate because let's say the, all the trouble is in south minneapolis there's a little bit of trouble in north minneapolis yes so the little bit's the head of the uh-huh. duck uh-huh the lot of trouble is the body of the duck uh-huh we're, we're the neck yeah Right? Yes. So maybe you want the body for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh-huh. Maybe somebody wants like um, the beak or something like that for, for a soup or something. Mm-hmm. But we're we're in the neck. Nobody really wants that. Well, we're not in the South. They'd want the gizzards. But, right, uh, right. But yeah, but yeah. So it's we're, we're kind of being able to watch it all happen without really um, being endangered by it. But of course, we have many friends who yeah. literally live in the exact middle of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got a friend who uh, lives uh, with his family uh, like four or five blocks from yeah. uh, the police station that burned down. So, yeah, right. Um, bum, bum, I don't want to... I, I just don't even want to talk about news today. Like, do you? Not particularly. Yeah. I'm a little newsed out. Yeah, there isn't any real good news. Perfectly honest. To um, talk about. No, I mean, it's... It's all terrible and it's it's terrifying and um you know uh it's it's hard to 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 see this happen anywhere but it's it's especially hard to see it happening in your own community. Yeah. Um you know and um we uh we were able to go out yesterday and we went out to to help uh see if we could help clean up and and help kind of help secure um, parts of the city because a lot of businesses were boarding up to in preparation for continued activities uh, last night. Um, and we, we were able to help a little bit. So, I mean, uh, it, it was good to be able to feel like we were able to, to give back a little bit. You know, um, you, you never, I, I don't know, I never really feel like it's enough. You know what I mean? Like you always feel like you could do more, and and there are places out there where you can um, uh, donate. Um, there are a lot of organizations that are doing good. A lot of places that are providing food and other necessary items for people who are in need right now. Um, so there's there's a lot of good happening in our community as well. The Minnesota Freedom Fund is a good place that you can go. Yes, um, that is uh, mostly um, for defense. Um, the legal defense of uh, protesters, and make no mistake, um, I think I think we're going to have a good night tonight. I hope so. Uh, the last night of May, um, because I think we've peeled away all the layers of this, and um, you know, it started off very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, uh, and just to look, like ninety percent of these protesters are are totally peaceful, yes. and they just want to get their message across, mm-hmm. and they're very upset. And like the last ten percent are drunk teenagers, you know, who want something from GameStop and literal clan members, yeah, and um, and militia groups that are coming here to screw things up for everybody, yeah. But that doesn't matter to um, a guy with uh, jack boots and a and a cudgel, right? A truncheon, let's say. <laughs> so everybody gets knocked out, 
and dragged downtown mm-hmm. and then charged with blocking the street or something like that. Right. Which is, um, I think, pretty much covered by the right to peacefully protest. But <laughs> I, what do I know? Right. But the people of the Minnesota Defense Fund, they do know. Mm-hmm. And, or, excuse me, the Freedom Fund. And so, yeah, if you want to donate to help these people, uh, innocent people who are just uh, expressing their anger and demand for change over something like the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department, you can go to minnesotafreedomfund.org and donate to that. Yeah. Um, just a side note, they did uh, post something. There, There is a group out there that is posing as them this and has a good. Venmo account. They do not have a Venmo account. Yeah, that was a couple of days ago. Oh, I think okay. we got that cleared up. Okay, all right. Um, so what are we going to do if we don't talk about the news? That's like... A lar- that's like 75% of the I show. I just keep thinking about the Beatles song. Um, you know, I the, can't. Please. please. You know, Don't like, let me interrupt. The news today. Oh, boy. You know. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking about the Rage Against the Machine song, Calm Like a Bomb. Yeah, right. I know. And they everybody is quoting that... Uh, Martin Luther King quote about how a riot is the is the song of the unheard. Yes. And there's a, a line in that um, Rage Against the Machine song that says, um, a riot is the rhyme of the unheard. Because, oh. of course, Zach DeLaRocca is, uh, is a rapper and not a uh, um, singer. So that's a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> Why do protest bands like that? Why They're not even together. Like, we need them more than ever. Where are they? Yeah, good point. They must be thinking should, about getting together. They should, they should come back together periodically. Yeah, because I do think that you can't sustain that forever. And there Probably was that not. famous incident where was it Tom Morello climbed the the palm tree one. at the MTV Music yeah. Awards, and everybody's yeah. like, "Whoa, what are they protesting now?" And <laughs> I think they all well, first of all, screw you, Kid Rock. But second of all, I think everybody you can't just take that constantly. I'm no. not saying that you should always you shouldn't always be vigilant for injustice, but you know we all have a friend who's we don't want to be the Brita of this thing. Oh, hey, Brita! I'm setting it up. We're getting there. I know. Don't point. Don't this, yes. There's strings above these puppets, everyone. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think that they should assemble like the Avengers when they're needed. Mm. So they release an album. Uh, they you know close down the New York Stock Exchange or whatever it is. Uh, and then they are arrest, arrested and get disbanded, and then we need them again, and they and they come back together, blow the conch, and yeah, get back together <laughs> and start jamming it. Uh, it sounds like a plan. Uh, it sounds like a definite plan. Yeah, well, I would I would pay to see it. Um, yeah. So I guess what we'll do instead is we'll talk about something fun and so light. We're going to pretend like we hadn't already planned this out. <laughs> we're going to we're going to pretend like we uh, chose to program this to counter all the dark stuff. Sure. Uh, that is going on right now. Yes. And it's the sitcom, the humble sitcom I've been thinking a lot about lately. Mm. Mostly because uh, Community famously mm. uh, is on Netflix. Yes. And I don't remember. Remember when you would hear. That Netflix made a deal for such and such a thing, mm-hmm. and that was like the big thing. Yeah. Now they just drop stuff, and you're like, they had so and so, right? They maybe had taxi. It, maybe it's not. I wish they had taxi. Anymore. Yeah. Um, but it also comes with all this. Uh, let's just be honest. It comes with like stealth marketing, right? I guess. I mean, Joel McHale and Ken Jeong could just start 
a podcast and YouTube show, or they could do it like the week before Community comes out, right? And it's really right. just like stealth promotion, probably. Or when Netflix hires Joel McHale to do the um, extra bonus episode of Tiger King, right? Uh, like on the same weekend that Community comes out, right? 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 But you know, when it's people that you really enjoy talking about things that you like. That's the best kind of advertising there is, right? Yeah, yes. So Community is on Netflix, and I, like a lot of people, have been watching it, and I've been thinking about the humble American sitcom, of which I don't find myself partaking very often, because I tend to think of sitcoms as being um, formulaic and, and not very funny. Yeah, and a lot of times they are. And almost universally they are. And when something like Community comes along that seeks to deconstruct that, I'm instantly attracted to that Mm -hmm. while actually kind of doubling down on it. Because if you're literally going to deconstruct the tropes of sitcoms, aren't you the sitcomiest sitcom? Well, you have to have the tropes. I should hate it more than anything else, shouldn't I? Yeah, right. (laughs) But somehow there's that disconnect where they're kind of selling it back to you. And you're kind of down down for it. Yeah, right. So anyway, that's how that works. But I got to thinking about like the tropes. That we see um, the characters that begin as stock are literally introduced at the beginning of in, in the pilot as like a failed revolutionary, a middle aged black woman, an old guy trying to stay alive until he dies. Yeah, right. Um, just thinking about things like that and where those things come from, and without having to say, watch a single second of shit my dad says mm-hmm. um, or Big Bang Theory. Or anything on CBS, really. Yeah. I'm going to get kicked in the butt for this, but... What? Any good CBS sitcom? Am I going to find out that the Odd Couple was on... I bet the Odd Couple's probably on CBS, right? That seems like a CBS show. I don't... I can't... I can't think I don't feel like CBS has been any good at anything for the last 25 years or so. Procedurals. I mean, they pop them out. But procedure... Yeah, and structure is what we're talking about. I, I know endlessly I know. repeated, boring structure. Yeah, I know. And if if anything, community is never boring because of the way that it tries to pop the raft, if you will, yes. of of structure in sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And so we started. I, I started thinking about. I'm taking credit for this one. I started thinking about the things that led up to community. Yeah, you know, in the history of sitcoms and how we could explore that. And the show did it for me because there's a scene in the show where Jeff, uh, played by uh, Joel McHale, Mm -hmm. uh, is talking to Professor Duncan, played Mm -hmm. by John Oliver, Mm -hmm. and um, Danny Pudi, who plays Abed, uh, is in the scene too. And they're arguing about something because, I can't remember what it is, Uh, Duncan wants to date a girl that Jeff has dated or also wants to date, and Jeff blows him off. And he says cheers mm-hmm. mockingly to him because he's a British person. Right. And Abed is walking by at that moment and Abed says, mash. Uh-huh. And then the British person says, Fulty Towers, game over. <laughs> yeah. Wow, who knew I had a John Oliver? <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> right there. Uh, right. Three sitcoms considered um, by, well, I guess, America and Britain. But, yeah. Um, Three of the best sitcoms of all time. So why not just watch those? And exactly. so we did. We watched the first two episodes of all three of those shows. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about those today. Yeah. Would you like to say something other than ad libs? 
other than saying yeah every 10 seconds um i i don't know i think it was interesting to yeah. are you just being me now well i'm gonna show you what it's like great um i thought it was <laughs> interesting to go back and um re-watch or watch these shows for the first time mm-hmm. um I I grew up watching Cheers. I don't think I've seen every episode, but yeah. I've seen um, a fair amount to know what the show is about. You're just doing it now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I've uh-huh. seen uh-huh. bits and pieces of MASH, but probably never an actual episode. And then I've never seen Faulty Towers at all. Um, so... Oh, we're not doing the segment, are we? Oh, no, I guess we're not. But it, I'll just say... <laughs> and that's the segment, and we're doing it right now. But I'll, I'll just say it was um, interesting to see, because like, mm-hmm. we've talked about before, you know, sometimes comedy ages well, sometimes it doesn't. Uh-huh. And well, I wonder if we're going to talk about that during the segment. I think we will. Or just do it right now. No, we'll talk about it during the segment. Yeah. So we'll be talking about all three of those, and the kicker is we're going to do it in conjunction with... Our entire season review it won't go as long as it sounds. We're only going to go for an hour tonight mm. um, about the second season of Community. Yeah. Widely regarded as the best se- season of sitcomedy. <laughs> That's a thing, right? It is now. It is now. Of sitcomedy in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. When we see how it measures up. Yep. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And you know how you know we're going to do it? How? Because I'm going to play the Cheers theme. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the and your husband wants to be a girl. Yeah, I was not aware of that lyric. <laughs> you didn't think that they had just ended after the first verse, did you? I don't know. It's a theme song for a TV show. How am I supposed to know that it goes longer than that? Dig deeper. Oh, wow. Okay. You got to dig a little deeper. I guess. I guess it wasn't. Why male models? <laughs> You got to make your way in the world today. Here's some yeah. of the life. All those, all those night. This is misprint. All those nights when you've got no lights, and the check is in the mail, and your little angel, and your little angel. It must be a yeah. Hung the cat up by its tail, and your wow. third fiance didn't show. So we're layering a lot of. There's a lot of. Jeez. Oh, character details we're getting here. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot, a lot. Roll out of bed, Mister Coffee's dead. The morning's looking bright. A little sarcasm. <laughs> and your shrink ran off to Europe. Didn't even write. Uh, and your husband wants to be a girl. Sometimes you want to go. <laughs> right? Wow. Where everybody is a turf. Wow. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Radical feminists on the earth. Bow, 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 bow. You let me go the whole way. Yeah, you you do whatever you need to do <laughs> yeah, to get weird, it out. Weird detour into uh, transphobia in the third verse, but nobody ever yeah, hears that one. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, you know it's relatable. Is it? Not the third verse. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's a it, it works for a reason. Everybody knows your name, and yeah, and, and it feels good. And there's You're this always idea glad you of, came. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this feeling of nostalgia. 
because yes. you know we see the picture of the old timey bar days. I don't know why we see that, but I think it's be it's because this is 1982. They hadn't yet invented the. It would have just been like laser lights and like a CGI drink pouring into a glass, you know, and like we used to be friends. <laughs> um, right. I guess. This is back in the day when a still picture, the, the Ken Burns method, uh-huh. zooming in on a still picture was yeah. what you did. And right. you could end the intro to your show with the smuggest looking son of a bitch in the world <laughs> holding up a beer glass. I, I saw yeah. one time, maybe I'll switch the show art to this after we got off the air. A guy did that for his Halloween costume. And it, Clearly, wow. he started with a good base. This was like a tall, lanky white guy, and okay. he got like a derby hat, you know, uh-huh. and then he got like a beer glass, um, and it didn't have beer in it, but he painted like, you know, yellow on it or whatever, and then he had a thing attached to his waist, that a bar that stuck out, and then the end of that bar was a sheet of plexiglass that had created by Les Charles oh and Glenn my Charles gosh. <laughs> Yeah, so that was his costume. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember this intro very. Oh, well. we're just doing cheers. Uh, well, I wanted I to start know. with Mash because it's it's well, chronologically the first. Okay, but well, let's start with Mash. No, then. we're like hip deep into Cheers. Well, I think it. Why we see the old timey pictures is because we the bar was established in 1895. So I think that's why. We're yeah, Boston's it. an old old town. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but I'm just saying whether or not it, it would have to be because that's how you opened. Doesn't that's like taxi too, isn't it? It's like I don't know. Oh, we're in a taxi. I don't. This is the Law and Order song. I don't know why I'm singing. <laughs> and then it's we're just zooming in. Oh, look, it's Judd Hirsch. And I never really watched Taxi, so I can't help you. We're at uh, the extreme periphery of your consciousness, yeah. as a human being and uh, awareness of anything, because uh-huh. all that history happened before I was born. How would you know any of that stuff? Well, you grew up on Nick at Night. Whatever. I didn't seek it out. So, um, yeah. But uh, very familiar with, with Cheers. Um, and um, it was it was it was interesting to um, watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not relying on you to take this. Uh, fine. You're the color person, remember? Well, I'm kind of the color person, but right. Because you're just going to go. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Uh, it was interesting to watch, and uh, not all the you know some of the humor off color. Uh, ultimately, I liked it. What's next? We need to get I like was, twelve minutes out of this. I know that. Okay, all right. So, okay, yeah. thank you. Give me a little credit, will you? <laughs> no, I refuse. Uh, yeah. So created by Glenn and Les Charles and James Burroughs, uh, nineteen eighty-two, and the show ran for eleven seasons. Mm-hmm. Now. We're going to talk about this in a little bit because we watched the pilot and the second um, episode. But yeah. the show survived the departure of its second lead. Uh, it survived uh, the death of its third lead. Yep. Uh, and maintain what I would call a solid level of quality all throughout. But it ain't like it was like really kicking ass by the 11th season. But yeah. still, that is impressive. Only recently was... It's only sunny in Philadelphia, uh, renewed for a 15th season, uh, setting a record for the longest-running live-action series. Unlike FX or FXX? Yeah, well. That's not not an accomplishment. (laughs) 
who's who's gonna watch FX? What else do you I, got? I don't know. Name another show that's on FXX. I don't know. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it. Oh no! I'm now. You want me to take it? So uh, anyway, <laughs> she's nodding. Everybody. Uh, so yeah. So Cheers. Um, pretty much set the standard for comedy and. Um, I have a book that I've only read part of called Must See TV, and it's basically about um, the era of Must See TV, mm. you know, starting with Cheers and leading into um, Frasier, Mad About You, Seinfeld. Friends. The Thursday night Must See TV yeah. block, um, spearheaded and organized um, by, in large part, by Brandon Tartikoff, mm. who greenlit DS9. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, it went to 275 episodes, started in 1982. And made stars of a lot of the people that were on it. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, definitely Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirley Long. I know you like Drew Beverly Hills. But I do. Didn't exactly become a superstar, but she definitely she went on to a movie career. Mm-hmm. That's why she left the show. And um, John Ratzenberger uh, was just doing Pixar all day long, so that's great. What about Woody Harrelson? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yes. And Baby Neuro for that part, uh, matter. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of great actors uh, were regulars on Cheers for a while. Great. Okay. Whoa, whoa just okay, huh? I don't know. How great, great connotes something, doesn't it? I guess not to you. That's okay. And more than that, it was what works about Cheers, and we're going to revisit this a lot, this idea a lot as we talk about these sitcoms, is that it has an evergreen premise. Yeah. Part of your show is you need a premise, which is, I think, one of the reasons that Dear John failed. Speaking of Judd Hirsch, you've I, got... I don't even really mem- know Dear John, so... You know, you learned uh, about 18 months ago what a Dear John letter was, right? Yeah. Okay, so now we, we got that part covered. Mm-hmm. So, Dear John was about John, played by Judd Hirsch, in... Um, I can't remember where they were, Philadelphia, something like that. And they're, they're in a support group. Okay. Because John's wife left him, and I don't know what it's a support group for. It might just be a general support group because this was kind of the unsophisticated era of like people's understanding of mental health. But, okay. And so it's him and it's Jer Burns and um, an old lady that says inappropriate things. But they're always kind of in this room. They go into their lives. But sure. But they're just kind of locked in this room. There's no freshness. But cheers. That door opens, and we've got – it's a whole new thing. Oh, yeah. Somebody's yeah. going to walk through yeah. that door every single week. Yeah. Multiple people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people were great character actors. Mm. Um, Harry Anderson, who went on to be in Night Court, got his start more or less on, on TV on Cheers. Okay. Um, as Harry the con man who comes in and is, you know, always trying to, like, do card tricks and bar tricks and swindle people out of money and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you'd have um, – Things like that. And something like that is important, I think, to a sitcom. Yeah, for sure. You can say that, oh, it doesn't matter. We can, you know, do whatever we want. We can um, mine this comedic premise forever. But you need you, you need complications. Mm-hmm. And if you, especially if you don't want your characters to grow or change at all. <laughs> like, I know yeah. half the friends got married. But chart for me the progress of Ross and Rachel's relationship I, I outside can't. of we're on a break and, and right, uh, right. Go, don't, go to Paris, don't go to Paris or whatever. Right. Like, right. Nothing. Right. No. And for the last half of friends, Ross was just, they had nothing to do for David Schwimmer's character. He was just like a weirdo. Yeah. Right. So 
Yeah, you get around that by <laughs> giving your characters like things to do and, mm-hmm. and complications. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think when you have like a, a great setting like Cheers does, you know, like this bar that everybody likes to come to. Everybody um, knows everybody's name. Right. Where you have this. They have an icebreaker of... at five o'clock every night. <laughs> Where, where you have this this group of regulars and you have the, the people that work there. But, but then you also, like you said, you have other people. You can have any number of different people come in and mix things up yeah. and switch things up and create weird and horrible and sometimes funny situations. Yeah, and it's a familiar premise, too. Um, Wings was a, a great show yeah, most of the time. Yeah. And <clears throat> a little throat clearing, sorry. Um, and it's got a, a similar thing. Anybody could walk off of that plane. Right. Or anybody could walk in and want to go somewhere. Right. But it's all just, I guess, like I said, anybody could walk in. What's great about Cheers is that it's a place that we are familiar with, the neighborhood bar, mm-hmm. but also we enjoy. Nobody likes airports, even if they're well, small airports right. in Nantucket or whatever. <laughs> so it's something that we're familiar with that's warm and will bring us back. And it's a great setting because it's in Boston Mm-hmm. You, you immediately establish uh, the class divide. Yeah. And that's baked into the premise in the idea of Thomas, o- I mean, uh, uh, Sam, the yes. bartender. Yes. And uh, Diane, the uh, academic, you know, and, and right. aristocrat. Right. Uh, or cat. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and so you've got that kind of going on, and then you can you can milk that for stuff. So, oh, yeah. You know, um, in the second episode... Um, which is a lot different than the first. Mm-hmm. Like the character of Sam is, he's not, he's not perfect, but he's he's a little, he's different in the first episode. Yeah, he kind of seems like, um, well, speaking of the good place, which we weren't, uh, yeah. he seems like an angel behind the bar. You know, he's a little snarky, but he's going to solve your problems. He's a little snarky, but but good hearted and good yeah, good hearted. Yeah, season. Six, he's just a walking penis. Like he's being a yeah, horn dog right, right. and a cad mm-hmm. is his whole character. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a not so long slide to that. And we already pick up in the second season where, you know, a airheaded sexy woman walks into the bar and everybody goes gaga over her and Sam as well. And right. Diane, who is just getting to know him at this point is sort of taken aback that he, she thought that he was smarter and like, you know, I don't know, had more self-respect than that. Right, and that was And it becomes the... a clash about him him thinking that she thinks that he's too dumb to to be dating dumb girls. Right, right. Um, and he doesn't exactly prove that he's not dumb. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it becomes an obsession uh, for him because he's always thought of himself as being the smartest guy around until he meets Diane. Well, and... And he, he's always, he said that he, you know, he likes dating, as he puts it, fun girls. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, after Diane, you know, basically tells him that's what he's doing, he doesn't, he finds that he doesn't enjoy it as much. And that he, he finds that he can't stop thinking about it. And then, you know, all these women that he's enjoyed dating on and off for, for years. And, and, you know, it's like he doesn't en- enjoy dating them any as much anymore because he feels like they're not as smart and that's disappointing to him. Plus he's a former baseball player. And so he's a quote unquote jock. And so you've got the idea of right. uh, a non-intellectual, you know, sparring with an intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything against Kirstie Alley, but I just don't feel like, like what does she bring to it? 
you know, that tops what Shelley Long as Diane brought to it. It's a different... Um, not anything. It's not... Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it was it's a, a different... Question. Okay. It's a different relationship. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely a, a pull and a push there as well. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, she's not... I wouldn't say that, that her So that being asked, who's yeah. the main character of the show? Sam. He's in his environment, though. That's his element. Oh, we're getting we're getting told that uh, the curfew has started here in Minneapolis. Sorry yeah. about that. Okay. Blame the governor. Um, <sighs> but she's the one who is the fish out of water. She's the the Oliver Twist in this in this case, right? Yeah. Is that what Oliver Twist is about? <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I know they um, want some more food. That's um, what he says. Give me some more food. Yeah. Right. Um. I mean, kind of, kind because he's just kind of meeting like um, Fagin and the gang with the, We're the off kids track. and stuff like so that. So anyway, so yeah, come, um, on, come on. I don't think she's the main character, though. I really don't. I think it's Sam because she left after well, three years. I don't know how long it was. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think of Christy Alley as being the main character. So I, you, know, I guess... you 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 never make hypothetical questions fun. You either don't answer them, you refuse to answer them, or you give the most boring answer. I just feel like we follow him and his story more closely than anybody else. What if th- she had an opening monologue? Uh-huh. You know, that day when I was going with my professor to get married on a whirlwind trip, I never thought that I would. Well, blah, that blah, would blah. change it. And then the very last episode of the third season or whatever, when she leaves, she's mm-hmm. like. And that was my adventure working at Cheers. But I got to tell you, I learned a lot of things. Well, yeah, that would completely change it. But that didn't happen. You can imagine it happening. Yeah. I, 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 I can. I, you don't have the ability to imagine it happening. I do. Let's talk about the other aspects of the show. So one of the things that I really like about the show is that it always gives the character something to do because there's a lot of bar business. Mm-hmm. And you talk about multi-cam sitcom. I know that they film it... Uh, I don't know how many times they film a multi-cam sitcom, but you want to get it right. I guess you redo scenes. There's a lot of camera angles. There's a lot of camera movements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's got to be a skill that you learn, or maybe they're actors. They've been bartenders. But, like, Ted Danson's going to do a whole comedy thing with you, and he's also going to be cutting up limes the entire time, you know? Or he's going to be pouring drinks, you know, or, or spinning bottles or something like that. Right. I love stuff like that. And I like how... Um, Norm can, and Norm's on the wrong side of the bar. Here's why. Because he's going to go, well, time to go to the bathroom. And then he'll get up and walk behind the bar or even in front of the bar mm-hmm. to the bathroom. And the camera follows him, but then it stops as he leaves the frame to go to the bathroom. And then we're focusing on what's happening on the other side of the bar. Like just the few episodes that we watch at the beginning here, they're already, they probably drop all this <laughs> as the years go on, but they're really interested in exploring the space, you know, and not mm-hmm. having it just be, uh, oh, gee, Wally. That was a single camera, though. What's a soap? Uh, soap, I soap was a multicam, right? Uh, sure. We should I have watched soap. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's, um, it's just, in, I, I think it is, um, a very funny sitcom, and I think it. it um... Here's your wrap up. It's a funny sitcom. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Eight out of ten. Stop. 
Where are you going? I don't know. Well, just say I don't. Tell me more. You know, just say I don't know where I'm going. Okay. Um, <laughs> We're I, live. We can't cut any of that stuff out. I know that. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what to say about about um, the the camera angles and that sort of thing because I feel like nobody's you're asking already... you. To, okay. To. Well, here's I... something else. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that they treat the jokes like jokes. There's a lot yeah. of. Like that there's there's time for the audience to laugh? No, no. Okay. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about. Okay. Many, almost all sitcoms, it seems, have somebody go, well, you're having a permanent barber. I'll buy that for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And everybody just pauses like nothing's happened or they didn't hear it. And then the audience laughs. And Cheers has the bravery to have people tell jokes. And in the world of the show, they are jokes. And that's like okay, kind of like laughing at, you know, that's like a comedian laughing at his own stand-up routine. That's not usually a good thing, but it establishes that these characters are all clever. This is the most clever bar in town. Uh, they're all um, being kind of snarky and, and they're self-aware about it, you know? So when, you know, Sumner, the professor that Diane is going to marry, is like, he's visited his ex-wife to get her the ring, but he comes back and he's like... She's like, we have to get to the Barbados. And he's like, I don't know. I'm so confused. She's like, the pilot knows the way. <laughs> yeah, but he but he laughs and it becomes like, oh, 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 that's that's one thing I love about you. You're wit. Yeah, right. Uh, but I'm going to go be with my ex-wife now. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I like him like like the, the second episode, too, when um, Carla is like, Diane's like, I'm going to go talk to Sam. And Carla's like, blonde found dead in billiard room or something like that. And she like <laughs>, laughs to herself. And it's like, oh my God. yeah, you know, and it's a joke she told just to herself. But it's, yeah, but it's still funny. Yeah. Um, but I I like, too, how um, uh, Carla is in a, in a very different uh, situation than either Sam or Diane as well. Like, she's... She's a single mother of four, which is absolutely terrifying, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, Norm is married, but apparently his wife doesn't care that he hangs out in a bar all the time. Yeah, Vera. You know? I don't think we ever see Vera on the show. I, I don't think, think we do uh, either. She's like the, the original Wilson. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are slightly outdated politics in the show. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah, some things just don't age well. Well, there's a whole bit in the second episode where this guy comes in. Yeah. And if he's supposed to be a, a famous actor, I don't recognize him. Right. But he's like, give me Gus. You got to give me Gus. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, who's Gus? Oh, he owned the bar. He always solves our problems. Well, he's not here. Let me solve your problems. And he's like, all right, well, my son comes home from college with a new fiance. He's like, uh, this is Coach, by the way, who we yeah. haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah. Coach is like, okay, well, uh, what's your son's name? It's Ron. Uh, what's his fiance's name? It's Rick. Okay, so Ron and Rick come from all... Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, this is the worst thing ever. Now, the right. ultimate solution is that uh, the guy sort of comes to a realization that, like, he has to accept his son for who he is or he'll lose him. Yes. And problem solved. And, you know, that's that's great for 1982. Yeah. But it's also just, you know, basically like a homophobic joke. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I and I don't think it's you know the worst thing that we saw that was dated and um... it sure isn't. You know, if we fight less, we're going to get through these a lot faster because we're uh, poking up against forty five minutes. Oh, okay. So, last thoughts on Cheers. This is where you can go. You know, it's a uh, it's a really no, no, we can't fight. Go. <laughs> I think it is because um... you're, you're just read read the last note that you've got. 
the last note that I've got. Yeah. I don't. Oh, you don't have a note? <sighs> I know what you're doing. Uh, um, I think it is. Why didn't you take notes? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it is um, funny, and I think it is funnier than you would maybe necessarily uh, remember. And and I think it is um, uh, the the a lot of the comedy still stands up, and I think uh, that that is you know a very a positive thing. And I don't think you can always say that about comedies. I guess not. I think that it that what you say is true because of the character. They understand the character of the show. A lot of shows are we work in an airport, we work on a dude ranch, but they all just talk like they're L.A. comedy writers. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this is you know, like the like the thing, um, the gag where they're in the bar and they're talking about like you know these guys over there at the other table. They're talking about the sweatiest movie ever made, right? And then one guy's like, "Oh, cool and Luke, cool and Luke." Real sweat. No, no, alien. Buckets. Buckets of sweat. Right, right, right. The correct answer was the bridge over the river quiet. <laughs> All right, we got to wave, move on fast here. So let's just go right to MASH. Okay, let's do it. Another. Suicide is Painless is the, is the name of that song. That's um, really <laughs> depressing. Um, Robert Altman's gonna... kid wrote the lyrics. Uh, He's like, you write these lyrics, Johnny boy. Wow. And Johnny's like. I'm going to do it, Dad. Oh and he God. closes his book cover with all the pentagrams on it, and he's like, suicide is painless. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, another memorable opening uh, for, for a sitcom. Um, <laughs> because it's like concerned people running towards helicopters. Well, I, I guess I, maybe I mean the theme song more than like No, I mean, the, I think that's very opening. memorable. Well, it, it definitely yeah. it sets you up for... For what the show is. Should I not? I pause because I feel like it's part of my cadence, but I can talk nonstop. This no, is just my fine. folksy cadence. It's fine. And if you're going to jump in to try to finish my thought, it's we're, it's really going to slow us down. Continue. The fact that this is a comedy drama. Mm-hmm. That uh-huh was okay. Mm-hmm. That's approved. Okay. Uh, is important. And we don't see that in these first two episodes at all. But when we get to a guy crying about a chicken and a baby, like, that's, like, that, you know, this is a war of drama. And as the show went on over its, one, two, three, four, five, seven, I think it also was, like, 11 seasons, right? It 72, went, 72 to 83. Yeah. Um, it, it starts to steer into that more. But at this point, it's just, you know... What a frat house! What if frat house in the Korean War? Right. Which you know that was the premise of the movie, basically. Uh-huh. So, uh, movie of course by Robin Altman, mm-hmm. and I'm amazed you haven't seen it. I have not because Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould are the stars. Very nice. It's like your '70s crush. Well, super it, movie. Yeah, I, I should uh, put that on my list. Do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, it's based on a novel. Okay. About three army doctors mm-hmm. called Mash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was kind of funny, I guess. It was more just like a you know slice of life, like what it was like in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, what I think is cool is that you know we watched the pilot. The pilot is, except for the dramatic elements we talked about, the pilot is basically like a template for the next eleven years of shows. Yeah, yeah. Like the, it, it does get more complicated as the series goes on, and I've seen a lot of Mash, but basically it's just. Hawkeye and, uh, well, Trapper John and later BJ mm-hmm. uh, have a have a have a scheme, 
Yeah, and then right. Frank is trying to stop him. Yeah, and then Frank and uh, Hot Lips are and Hot to Lips stop him. is uh, ineffectually trying to help. Yeah, uh, and then <laughs> yeah, and then they get out of it somehow. It's like Hogan's Heroes mm-hmm. in the Korean War. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is where I spring my trap card. Whoa! Because this 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 show. Yeah. Cheers. Mm-hmm. And. Not Faulty Towers, which is the third show we're going to talk about. Yeah. We didn't even announce the shows at the beginning of the of our show. We suck. I thought we did. No, I did. That's right. Yeah. I did that whole bit. Yeah, you did. Cut this part out. <laughs> Person who has the ability to erase people's memory. Um, and Community, which we will talk about. Mm-hmm. All feature this character of the CAD. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Why? It all goes back to Groucho, doesn't it? Because Maybe. Hawkeye is Groucho. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. just doing Groucho. Uh-huh. And then Cheers, I don't know what's going on there, but I think having a wisecracking lead, leading man works in a show. And by the time we get to Community, he's just doing Hawkeye. Like, yeah. he's making a, a, a comedy show about comedy shows, and so he needs a oversexed, like, wisecracking character in the lead role. Right. And who, Abed even calls him Hawkeye. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then he's like, can I be Radar? <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell yourself short on that. Come on. You were Han Solo in that one episode. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I like the fact that, you know, the first, the scenes that we see in the opening for the rest of the show mm-hmm. um, are all from the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that thing of they're all making fun of Frank for being a bad surgeon or whatever. And they're having a good old time. And then it's like, oh, the... Helicopters are coming in, and when, the, when Radar hears the helicopters coming in, they know it's this is going to be the serious part. Right, and exactly. We have to work on some people. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's cool that um, that uh, I, I liked Radar. I, I think it's cool that that he, that he has like this that he can hear like super well, um, and he just he kind of like helps them in their schemes. Um, yeah, and there's I, you never why. <laughs> I don't know. He's just friends with these guys for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he really gets out of it besides being friends with them. So it's not like they're like, here, Radar, you do this and we'll give you, you know, extra rations or we'll give you our weekend pass or something like that. It's We don't see that, you know? Yeah, and they're not like, you know, he works for Colonel Blake, but he's also, what does he get out of this? Do you know what I mean? He has to, he's, has to, he's the aide to camp. Yeah. But also he will help Hawkeye with whatever. And we never, at least what we watch, we don't ever see him get like a cut of anything. Like no, it's just, never it's never established like he what he gets out of it. Yeah, He's just doing it because he's like, this is fun. This is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> well, you got a new scheme? All right, we got to do this scheme. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's a great setup. And of course, it's, you know, it's got a, a great setup for the setup mm. in the movie. Right. Uh, and also the book, which I never read, but I assume, uh, you know, led to them wanting to make this um, this um, Robert Altman film. Right. Um, did it? What, what stood out for you? We, we haven't seen um, Klinger. Klinger is one of my favorite characters, and he doesn't uh, appear in the first two episodes. Um. Well, I think I mentioned, and and I, I don't know. I think you you've basically covered this but i i think it's ballsy to and and this is this has to stem from altman's film you know and possibly the book as well but i think it's ballsy to do a comedy uh situation comedy that takes place in the korean war you know something that 
usually like war lends it itself more easily to to drama and more serious situations so i think that that's um that's a huge risk so i mean that's and in the wake of vietnam right where it's baked into your premise that we can touch on some dramatic stuff but it definitely doesn't come out of the gate it's not it's not a um uh red dawn uh day of dawn the, the dawn. I have no idea. I'm sorry. China, I want China to help beach. you. Okay. It's not a China Beach. Okay. Right. And a tour of duty. That's the. Uh, okay. That's the CBS drama about Vietnam. Okay. Right. Um. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> war is hell. <laughs> right. Right. Um. And like, I don't know. Um. Just that, like, Hawkeye is is is, is very clever and good on his feet, and that he. He doesn't, he will mouth off to anybody, you know, and, and I think that's ballsy and also idiotic, you know, but it's like, you can't help but. But it's like Beetle Bailey, though. Right. You can't well, help Why isn't Beetle Bailey in stocks? Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't help but, but like a character like that who is kind of like. He's the Bugs Bunny. He's the, right. he's the Groucho. He's the guy that doesn't. There's no consequences, right? Exactly. Um, and he I can, think that's he can he can he can black he can sell things on the black market. Yeah, he can be racist and sexist, yes. and basically um, basically sell a woman at the end of the pilot episode. Yeah. So we've got yeah. white slavery. We've got <laughs> although as far as them calling uh, the black guy spear chucker, I want to explain something. Okay, go ahead. It, it's an affectionate nickname that he's in on right god i hope so because he has to be i guess uh to be okay with it Did yeah I take a was... crap on cbs this this was on cbs oh okay well um and uh it's you know it's not great but at the same time i think it's um it would be very unlikely black people definitely served in korea mm-hmm. but it'd be i don't even know if we were integrated at that point you know what i mean yeah I don't it'd be know. very unlikely that this jim brown figure would be and i think he kind of disappears as the show goes on but the fun That's another the funny bad. thing about the show is that they're not even trying to make it seem like it's 1950 all the women have like this blown out like shoulder length hair mm-hmm. when they would almost definitely have well they'd have hats for one Right, uh, and they'd it'd be pin curled, you know, or chin length or something like that. And then all the guys, it's kind of the same thing, and mustaches and and stuff like that. They're not even really trying to like make it seem like it's 1950. Yeah, or in the 50s. I I, I suppose you're right about that. I didn't even think about that. Um, one other thing about, uh, and you might be getting to this, but um, <laughs> Jim uh, Jim Brown, um, there was this line in the in the pilot episode uh, where Hawkeye and What's the name of his buddy again? I can't remember his buddy's name. Trapper John. Trapper John. Um, were joking around and like how they were going to get uh, this pay for this kid's tuition, and they were like, "Oh, that's something else." They get uh, Ho John uh, into college in America, so all is forgiven, I guess. Yeah, right. They can be as racist as they want. Right, right, right. But but they make some quip about like, well, we can just sell Jim Brown, and like he's <laughs> he's like sleeping, and it's like. That might be funny if he wasn't a black man. You know what I mean? I think it, th- you can't say it if he's not a black man. I don't think the joke I works. Just, I, I just, like, who thought that was okay? Who thought that was okay? This was the freaking 70s. I, but I, th- <laughs> I think it's a Don Rickles-ish situation okay. where everybody gets it, right? Except white guys. I guess. Uh, which make up 
eighty percent of the show. Yeah. Um, or like the baseball perverts. The we baseball? see two guys at the beginning playing baseball, and one guy catches the ball and he falls backwards into the other guy, and they both end up on the ground together. Uh huh. So I guess they're gay. Oh, which makes them was perverts. that? Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hey, there was a lot of racism on China Beach, too, but it was, like, played seriously. Yeah, right. Um, anything else? Is this relevant today? Can you watch this today? I mean, we talked about some of the outdated politics in Cheers. Um, I mean, there's definitely outdated politics here. Um, but I, I think some of the comedy plays, like, it's still funny. Like, the whole, the whole bit about, like, getting their boss's desk... To the guy who's running the black market so they can get the hydrocortisone or whatever was hilarious and just ridiculous and and it was it was very funny and then and then the guy who I, I can't was his name was it like the the guy who runs the black market uh, is um, Asian and uh, he's you know South Korean or what have you and like uh, he makes the joke at the end because their boss is like do you have a relative who's a general? And he makes about the line like, oh, well, we all look alike, you know? So, and I'm like, hey. well, I guess if he makes the joke, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess so. So. Uh, look, uh, a couple things about MASH. Yeah. How many sitcoms are filmed almost entirely? Uh, well, not entirely, but like half filmed outdoors. Not very uh, many. Up in uh, Calabasas or Malibu or wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and how many uh, uh, comedy shows do you need a helicopter on every week? Right, right, right. <laughs> like the cost of that must have been pretty high. Probably. Yeah. And it's a show that is employing Asian actors almost every every week. Yeah, yeah. And you can't even get that now. No, no. Right, exactly. So, um, I mean, I think it was uh, revolutionary in some ways, you know, Um <clears throat> Is it relative to today's audience? I mean, we're still fighting wars in some way, shape, or form, right? Oh, you want a a on-location military comedy now, a mash for the 21st century. Jeez, I don't need... Because now... I don't know, man. You know what the mash of the 21st century is? What? The Hurt Locker. (laughs) That's what we do now. Right, right. I know. I'm not saying that you should... It's supposed to be funny. Like, I think they're trying to make a mash out of, like, Space Force, but the stakes Mm. are so much lower. Mm -hmm. And just talking about premise, like, the perfect premise of Cheers, where it's relatable people, but there's a class divide that we all understand, and anybody can walk through that door. Yeah. On MASH, you have a a really high concept um, premise. Right. Where they're where all like it's 1972, and but this is 1950. Nurses. Yeah, in a, in the Korean War, right? A war that even maybe people in 72, unless they were there, probably don't know much about, and it's going to go for 11 years, mm-hmm. as the dean makes a joke about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like anybody could come off of that helicopter, like the second episode. Well, right. You know, they're treating us two-star general, mm-hmm. um, and so that causes complications. But then there's also like the quote-unquote native people or the locals, and mm-hmm. so and I think. Maybe the answer to that is the comedy is 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 looser, sure. Because you can't make a ton of references in about 1950 because maybe people aren't going to get that. That's and so true. I feel like the jokes are more, more general. Com- they're not comedy? talking about disco or something like that, right? But, yeah, but they're just more. Um, they're, they're the looser and the references aren't as pointed and 
I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much how much can we milk out of like you know Frank's trying to have it off with Hot Lips somewhere while the guys are like getting into trouble? Right. The answer is eleven years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the and, and built in uh, conflict with with them and um, what's his name? Uh, you, you just said his name, Frank. Frank, yeah, yeah, Frank and Hot Lips. So I think that's great because it's uh, you know you don't have to. It, it's it makes it that much easier on the writers for creating situations because they always want to catch them in you know, doing something that they're not supposed to be doing so they can get them in trouble and get them off the base. And they will always fail. Yeah. Because the uh, surgeons will leverage their skills and hold the Canadian wounded hostage. If you arrest us, we can't Yeah, I know. I know. But it works. (laughs) It It works. It works. Bruno Kirby, uh, non-speaking cameo in the uh, pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so go there you on go. to great things. Yeah. All right, one more to go before we talk about community and forget this thing being an hour because we're just hit an hour. Uh, we're talking about Faulty Towers, mm-hmm. a show that ran from 1975 to 1979, the creation of John Cleese and then wife Connie Booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays Polly on the show. Yes. And um, generally held, uh, at least in Britain, as. It was first on the list of the 100 greatest British shows of all time. Oh, wow. It is widely known and believed to be, you know, the best mm-hmm. sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think? I'm interested in your opinion on this, because I feel like this is far afield from the kind of thing that you are familiar with. I mean... And if it is... If it, we'll get the premise, because it is a foreign show. Yeah, yeah. I, I... Basil Fawlty and his wife. It's, it's new hard in the UK, although... Newhart is really Faulty Towers in, in America. Right, right, right. Uh, Basil Faulty and his wife run a hotel, bed and yes, breakfast type Faulty thing. Towers. Yes, called Faulty Towers. And Their it's last about... name is Faulty. <laughs> right. And it's about uh, him just trying to you know deal with the stresses of running this place. <laughs> right. In a world, and I call it the Larry David syndrome, in a world where, yes, he's ridiculous, but isn't everybody else ridiculous yeah, too? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've seen other British comedies before. Um, I thought, you know, I thought this was funny. Yeah, this is a uh, very much situational comedy. And, um, gosh, I don't remember what his first name is. John Basil? Cleese's first. Oh, Basil. Thank you. Um, Basil, I think, uh, and I mean, this is probably just part of the premise of the show. He creates a lot of the horrible situations that he finds himself in. <laughs> And well, makes makes them worse because he doesn't always he's he's not very good at making good decisions. Look, he he didn't want to hang the picture. He had a lot to do. I know, <laughs> I know. And I think you know when you watch the pilot, at least, um, you, you're sitting there thinking, "Man, he really needs more help in this hotel." Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yes. he's he's wearing a lot of hats. He's only he's got doing Manuel. a lot of things. He's yeah. only got Manuel and Polly and uh, and his wife. Who, who really literally is always coming in telling him she's going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like, understaffed. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I thought it, um, I thought it was, um, I thought it was, it was, it was, it was, it was very funny, but it was, uh, you know, it, he, he, he tries to do the right thing. He, he tries to be polite about it and he has a very short fuse. Yeah, so, but also he's we're we're meant to not like him, 
right. or or delight in his suffering because right. he's uh, he's a social climber. Yes. You know, I'm the second that, the, you know, somebody who says that they're a lord comes in, like he's ready to fall all over them. And, yes. and it's partially, um, you know, I talked about class before in uh, Cheers, like class is just baked into to UK shows. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a big part so of it. So he's ready to do whatever. And then, of course, he's, you know, looks down on and is, is horrible to um, the foreigner that works for him. And yeah, well, yeah. Um, who, by the way, Andrew Sachs. I want you to guess whether he's Spanish or not. I'm guessing he's he not. He is not. British national, born in Germany. He's a Jewish guy. Wearing brown face. Oh, boy. Or what do we call trying to be a Spaniard? I should know. I did it in the female odd couple. Um, I, I, think, I think it, well, I think it is brown face. But um, I, I was hoping that was not the case. But that did cross my mind. Is he actually Hispanic? Um, no. No. Okay. All right. Um, I do like how uh, I think it, it was the, the, the pilot episode. Uh, there's this Cockney guy who comes in and we find out later he's like an undercover cop, basically. Right. But um, he comes in and like he speaks fluent Spanish. So him and Manuel like really hit it off. And, you know, because we, we see apparently Basil supposedly before he hired Manuel, supposedly new spanish but he i mean he knows like a handful of words and he can't really it doesn't seem like he can string a sentence together it's a good it's a good question when and i know that functionally they're very similar but there are differences when you learn spanish you know in british high school or uh, a levels or whatever it is are you learning uh are you learning uh latin american spanish or are you learning Continental Spanish. I would assume you would be learning Continental Spanish because. But if you get all the right. textbooks from the same place, if they're all yeah, Hoffman I don't know. Mifflin That's a good textbooks, question. Then, then it's just yeah, yeah, siesta. Because yeah. I know that that Manuel is supposed to be from Barcelona. Um, Barcelona. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, but he made. He said that like he learned a certain version of Spanish, but it's not like the um, uh, the Spanish that Manuel speaks. So I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. You might be protesting too much. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's another endless premise. Yeah. It's another perfect premise. Anybody can walk into this hotel at any time. Yeah. And already, I know that British shows are different. Um, I think there's only like 24 episodes of Faulty Towers in its original incarnation. Mm. And so, because the British people are like, that's enough. Right. I've had enough. Mm -hmm. 11 years, you're crazy. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like anything can happen, you know, episode two or already uh, an undercover cop is, uh, trying to stop a sting operation that Basil well, gets that involved was, in. That was one. Two oh, that is, was the first one. That's two right. Two is the one where they, they go on a, so a point, trip or whatever. point double down on. Yeah. Right. The pilot episode there. Well, they don't have pilots, but yeah, the first episode, they're already getting into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I um I didn't like this as much as oh no <laughs> the other ones. I've seen a couple episodes of Faulty Towers, but not the the first two um, in order. And um, I think British well, Brit well, it's okay. Just say it. I it, it maybe it's part of the class thing, but there are things that are like aimed up, and there are things that are aimed down. You know, there's like the upstairs downstairs mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is literally aimed 
<laughs> supposedly at upstairs and downstairs. Right. Uh, sort of class people. And there's like the Andy Cap kind of thing. Uh, and I, there's there's so much slapstick in this. Oh, yeah. There's I, more slapstick yeah. than, than uh, Perfect Strangers, an episode of Perfect Strangers. Sure. Yeah, I know. Which, how long did that go and how did they keep it going that long? I don't know. It's a good um, question. Yeah, just Borat, basically. Wow. And uh, Mark um, Lynn, what's his name? I don't know. The guy that's not Bronson Pinchot. Right. Uh, David Baker. I can just keep saying names. I don't Cut, know. Pick the three names you like and put them together. That's his name. <laughs> and there's no shortage of like, you know, physical comedy in the history of British comedy. Right. Um, going back to the to the slapstick mm-hmm. and what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, punch or whatever. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> And the roles of the characters are strangely defined. Um, you know, we have an episode. I get that Connie Booth is, you know, the other the other half of this thing. Yeah. Although probably not as well known as John Cleese. And so we have an episode where John Cleese is going to be ostensibly gone for, yes. for part of it or most of it. And then he comes back in in the middle. And all Connie Booth did was just try to draw somebody and then went to sleep. And then. I know. There's too many. There's too many cooks, I think, mm. because then and then the but the wife has also got to have a thing too, because you'd think as as the wife of John Cleese, she'd be like the second hand on the show, but she isn't really. And the, so she comes in and she's mad at everybody, and it just felt like unfocused. There was a lot going on. Uh yeah. Um, I found that so they had two different contractors coming in to do work on the hotel on the oh second boy. episode um, is that important not ter- unless you're uh, going to talk about it are stereotyping well no i'm I, well I, what i was going to say is um she wants him to hire one person and he's going to hire the other person because they're cheaper and that's the the irish guy um and uh i, I was the, the other builders were irish too though weren't I, they i thought they were was... i thought they were his builders oh but he just didn't come in. See, that's why I, I got confused. Because it was the confused. next day. They didn't. Yeah. She went to sleep, but she was going to go to sleep. Wait a minute. She went to sleep, but she was going to go to sleep. And like Manuel was going to wake was her up. Was it supposed to be dark out? And they I didn't don't communicate know. that? Like she slept overnight? He was on the night shift or something? Because then Faulty comes back and yes. they didn't cut the trip short. It's like the next day and they right. built the wall and everything. Right. All right. Well, there's another complaint. It, that it, 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 it was hard to follow. Like who is doing the building? Uh, obviously, it's the, the, it's the, 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 the crew that is not really good, you know, and then. It, yeah. And, and then, then some comedy about the Irish. Yeah. Right. And then he makes O'Reilly do the the changes anyways, and then his wife is all embarrassed. But then the the actual all right, just builder just describing what happens in an episode. Okay, all right, that's not content. All right, um, it could have been funnier, you know. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> all right, uh, I, I think we covered it. Okay, all right. Um, so yes. now uh, let's move on to Community season two. Yes. From what I've heard, mm-hmm. the best season of comedy ever to exist. Is it because Theo is on it? You be the judge. <laughs> and we don't have a lot of time I for mean... this. Suffice it to say that community is a place where, I mean, except for Childish Gambino, have any of these actors really broken out? I mean, Allison Brie. Allison Brie's done pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of um, course, the Russo brothers. <laughs> well, right. And John Oliver is doing his own thing now. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 
Uh, thanks for the faulty towers, by the way. Uh, so I gave you a list of, I think, six things, because we don't like Pierce, uh, Whoa. that we were going to talk about, and we're so out of time. Let's just talk about those six things. Okay. Or, if you have the perspective, talk about why you think the second season is is so good. I think it's so good because there are, uh, honestly, almost all the episodes are standout episodes. I feel like at least half of them. They're all bangers. They're they're all good. And one, it was really, really hard to pick a favorite one. The one where Britta is dating the war criminal is maybe the weakest one. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That was maybe the weakest one. Although I think it has a good character moment for 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 Britta. And, and also, you know, the exchange with. Uh, with 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 Abed and Troy, you know, being like, you know, you may ruin everything, but if we're friends with a war criminal, you can let us know. <laughs> I uh, there are exceptions. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we say that you ruin everything, but yeah. war criminal is the exception. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, actually, Pat Pat Oswalt describes himself as the as the Hawkeye too, doesn't he? <laughs> In the first maybe, season, when they go to, when they he? when they go to the the nurse's office, yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Oh boy, this is like the syphilis breakout of '73 or whatever," and they're like, "What?" He's like, "I'm kind of the Hawkeye around here." <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Yeah, wow, yeah, a lot of mash references. So go through our list of favorites or whatever. Um. Okay. So my favorite community episode from season two uh, has to be Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um. I I love the I have a, a couple of reasons I love the the voiceover from the entire episode I think that was a a really uh, strong choice and I think that um, it's you know it's very stylized in like the kind of fantasy storytelling way and I think it um, really helps to connect the story together uh, and I I love how the group bands together to plan a game of D and D to help Neil with his uh, depression. Um, I think it's, you know, really moving and it shows how they really care about people and that they can be good friends. Uh, I love that Abed is the dungeon master. It's it's also, I think that it works really great within the story how Pierce, who wasn't invited, forces his way into the game and becomes the villain that they have to all band together to beat. And you really hate Pierce well, in this for, episode. And it's perfect because, I mean, he's he's a villain the, I know. the whole season. He is. And for, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, it's, I don't know if he was just taking that character on I to the I don't know either. Uh, I know. But yeah, he was, you know, not loved around the set. But. Right. And, and even at the end, and at the end, even though, though Pierce was, was mean to him, Neil reaches out to him and asks if he would like to play D&D, D&D again next week. Yeah. So I just, the, it's my it's my favorite. How about you? What was your favorite? I how do you pick one? I know it was really hard to pick. I would say probably messianic myths and ancient peoples, just because I'm, you know, looking at it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on this list of episodes. <laughs> it's the one where Shirley wants to make the Jesus video. Yes. For for the YouTube. Yes. And uh, she asked Abed to do it, and he's not really into it. But then he's like. And I've been reading about this Jesus guy, and yeah, I'll do it. You know, it's it's going to be a film. It's going to be about a filmmaker looking for the story of Jesus, but realizing that the story is about himself, and he is Jesus. And then Shirley's like, "Ooh, I don't think that's a good idea." Mm-hmm. And then just going through all that and the up. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty great. 
and him, you know, I don't know. I hate always just being so predictable with my religious background, choosing something like this, but him being in a situation where the entire school is into this and they're following him, him everywhere. And he's like, he realizes like, this is horrible. Like, right. This is a terrible movie and I don't want to make it. And he goes out to the picnic bench and he's like, Lord, please take this film from me. <laughs> you know? and, it's just like, and then like, you know, then Shirley gets to do now her role becomes a positive one because she comes in and destroys everything. But that's exactly like, what Abed needed to like get out of this. Well, so, she heard him praying. Right, but I mean, just she but was going to do it anyway. I know, but, I know. So but then she's, she's it's a positive can be the thing. bad guy for yes. a good reason, which right. is a lot. A lot of community episodes kind of end like that, you know, mm-hmm. wrap up like that. Um, he has this great line at the end too, where he says to her, "You humble me," and then she says, "You humble me yeah. too," and that was just a really great exchange. Yeah. Um, I think. Another thing that they continue oh, no, to do in this, this, I know, in this season, and we talked about uh, at, for for season one, it, is they're they're pairing the 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 actors the uh, characters with each other again, and this is an, a, a really great episode where they pair up Abed and Shirley, which I yeah. don't think we've really seen before. Yeah, it's so. you can just go through and just obviously this week they said um, Britta and, and Pierce, yeah, he's gonna hypnotize her, right, or whatever, and. Um, it's so it works so well. The characters are so well drawn, and the actors are so good that you know they're doing it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. it just works. Right, you f- right, right. Even on a show that primes you to look for sitcom tropes, you know, mm-hmm. Abed even calls out like, "Oh, well, I haven't done something with uh, with Pierce for a while, so you know that sounds good, and then you know we'll do that." <laughs> right. uh, it just works because. It's entertaining, and they they get everything. They get all the meat off the buffalo. Yes, definitely. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is our favorite community moment from season two. Um, my favorite community moment comes in uh, the episode Abed's Un- Uncontrollable Christmas, mm-hmm. when the group comes together to fight Wizard Duncan. Uh, it's comedy and it's hilarious but it's really heartwarming to see how much the group cares about each other and and how much they are willing to help each other out um you know because they're basically coming to to help him and and help save this idea of 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 him finding the meaning of christmas and uh you know being able to you know deal with what's actually happening in his own life which is his mom has started another family and he Mm -hmm. doesn't have the Christmas with his moms anymore. And he has a great line about how his friends um, have become his new family. The cave of frozen memories. Yes, exactly. Um, So it's just really great to see them come together and, you know, be there for him during his, uh, when he really needs them. And then they're, they're all watching a movie together at the end. And a Christmas pterodactyl. Yes. Mine is from Mixology Certification, the episode right before that. Runner-up would be uh, Paul F. Tonkin's uh, trying to talk to Ahmed about Farscape so he can uh, <laughs> get him into bed. Yeah. Uh, and then him being like, I want to have sex with you. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, I picked up on that a little while back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you stop me? I just like talking about Farscape. 
Uh, it's, it's the moment at the end of that episode where the entire time, so the premise of the episode is Troy's turning 20. Wait a minute. He's turning 21. Yes. Because everybody has to repeat the third grade because it's really hard. How much of my life has been a lie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he's 21. They take him out to a bar. And the whole episode, Jeff and Britta are arguing about um, who, who the better bar. Yes. Because his favorite bar is like Avenue F or whatever. And yeah. her favorite bar is the Red Door. Yes. And then when they're drunk in the car as Troy's driving them home, um, they realize that the red door is on Avenue F. Yes. And it's called Avenue F because it's on it has a red door. And yeah. Troy's like, you've been talking about the same bar for the whole night? Yeah. And arguing over which is better? Yes. And it, he just, you know, he's somebody who looks up to these characters who are adults to him. Yes. And he realizes that in that great community way, that great nothing means anything, let's just watch TV, like... it. Being an adult is, you know, he's already doing it. And yes. even the adults that he admired don't know what they're talking about. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Right. So, so, so make your own path. Like, I thought that that was very um, close to the theme of, of the show. Yeah. No, and the it's series another entirely. Really great moment. Um, and he's mad at them, but he gets, he, he lets it go pretty quickly. He's pretty cool about it. Um, Next one. Our favorite community character. Oh, like period? Yeah. Um, mine is Britta Perry for the win. Uh, <laughs> and then because... you gotta do like a weird robot Hit me with dance with your genie's bottle. Yeah. Um, she tries so hard and cares so much, but a lot of the time she really does end up being the worst. Um, I like that she's flawed and she's imperfect, and she's funny without trying to be. Uh, I think. My second favorite would be Abed, um, Abed, uh, because I love all of his references and how much he knows about pop culture. I also love how he's maybe a little too invested in it and use it as, uses it as a tool to relate to the real world. How about you? Um, it's probably it's probably Britta. Yeah, but I don't want to say that because you said it. <laughs> You can say it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's probably Britta. Um, I just for the same reasons. Although I think the show uh, sells her out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she's. It's easy to make her the butt of the joke. I guess you have to to sell some this person who is so passionate or wants to be passionate about something. Mm-hmm. And a real breakthrough moment for her is, you know, when Pierce gives them all their. Their present, their ring of, their rings of power that will destroy them. Yes, and um, and she, you know, finally like just signs the money away, and you know realizes that the big problem is that she's somebody who, you know, has to. She, you know, she thinks she has his convictions, but ten thousand dollars almost made her sell out her convictions. Yeah, right. And it was about, it wasn't about whether she'd take the money or not. It's about like how she would see herself, you know dealing with the money or having that much quote unquote power and then at the end of the episode like LeVar Burton's like well I guess I gotta get out of here or reschedule my flight and she's like let me pay for it I have $262 and he's like you keep your money I'll, I'll figure it out uh-huh. like, Jesus girl's gonna give me $262 that's all she's got <laughs> And he tells her that she's stupid with her money and then she's like and she's like that's it I'm stupid with my money <laughs> Boy, can you imagine if I bounced a check to Kunta Kinte? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, next. 
Uh, favorite community uh, comedy bit? <laughs> Probably um, the one I just said. Yeah. Um, mine is um, in uh, intermediate documentary. Uh, intermediate documentary filmmaking. The episode we were just talking about uh, when uh, Troy continues to freak out about meeting his idol, Lavar Burton. Um, I just. Everybody else assumes that he would be super overjoyed and love to meet his idol, but he has told Pierce repeatedly that he only wants a picture of LeVar Burton. And as he says, you can't disappoint a picture. And like, he's just freaking out and you can totally see like how incredibly upset and overwhelmed he is. And it is (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was my favorite. Um, um, it's so hard to, to pick. It is hard to pick. Um, I, I don't even know if this counts as a, as a comedy bit, but, uh, it would be the critical film studies is an episode that is, it's not really a bottle episode because they have a diner and a restaurant set, but I think they're trying to pay for the restaurant set because it's in like three consecutive episodes. Mm. And they're doing My Dinner with Andre. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's really, in hindsight, it's obvious from from the jump that that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I was watching it and I didn't get it until like two acts in when they're sitting at the table and Abed is like talking about this experience and there's just there's something that he said like a way that he said something, and it was like we're like two acts into a my dinner with Andre thing, and I just realized it, and it was just another community, you son of a bitch, <laughs> you did it again, and maybe it was because the other reference was just so on the nose, like they're oh, throwing the pulp a pulp fiction, fiction party. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Um, Which was great too in its own way. Yeah, but the my dinner with Andre thing was better though. <laughs> I mean, he even says, like, you know, I met my friend Abed for dinner, you know, he was a little weird. Like, it even starts like that, but I just, it just slipped under my radar for some reason. And mm-hmm. then when I got it, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, next thing. Come on, go, go, go. Uh, well, this is our last one. Good, go. Uh, favorite reference or pastiche. Oh, um, that, pff, I should have used the, that one for that one. Uh, mine is, uh, and I don't know if this counts or not, so I, 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 I have backups. But uh, applied anthropology and culinary arts, uh, the reference to, to clip shows. And this episode is a clip show that showcases all new clips that we've never seen before. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, never seen it done before. And, and I love this episode. Um, and Not really a pastiche of anything. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. Then my runner-up Mine... runner would be epitomology, the zombie pastiche. Epidemiology. Uh, epidemiology or uh, the uh, Western pastiche of A Fistful of Paintballs, the uh, first part of the two-part. What is wrong with this finale? cat? Is someone throwing it? <laughs> Mine is basic rocket science. Um, oh, as far as references go, too. like, when it opens with the guy, his feet running down the hall, and yeah. City College has a has a simulator. Like I was like, okay, it's the right stuff. You had to stop that episode when it first aired and like show me like the oh, right stuff, yeah, well. so I would get it because I had never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. And then when I tried to talk about the right stuff with you on a previous episode this year, uh, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember it very well, <laughs> so let me just be honest. Ed Harris is like he's got to talk to his wife on the yeah, phone. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, so. um, I don't know what we accomplished, but gosh darn, it's a great show. It is a great show. 
and uh, that's uh, what we whenever, accomplished. A fantastic whenever show. you try to think about the right stuff, you keep forgetting. What do I keep forgetting? <laughs> I keep forgetting to turn the thing off when I go into musical transfer, so you don't ruin it. Well, I guess it's too late because you already <laughs> I gotta give you like a Wayne's World, like we're outside right, or something right, like that. Yeah, I guess it's my maybe. fault. Uh, all right, this is it for the show for tonight. Although we do have a little bit of news, and if you'd like to join us. We're going to slide on over to the Just Enough Trope video game stream. It's something I'd like to try in the upcoming weeks. Maybe we make a little shorter show, uh, talk about a little bit less news, but then we can take it online and you can join us uh, as we play video games and talk about pop culture news. Yes. In the meantime, you can find us on social media at Just Enough Trope at all. Also on your listening platform of choice. If you're not subscribed to our show, you should do it. It's good to do. Also, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, give us five dioramas <laughs> and only 14 more to go in the season, and we'd appreciate that. Give us five stars. Say something nice about us. Uh, do something nice. Do something nice for yourself. Yeah. Have a little ice cream or something. There you uh, go. <laughs> and we'll see you later on the stream. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs> <laughs>